Welcome to Gracious Words. Gracious Words is taken from the weekly women's Bible study taught by Cheryl Broderson at Calvary Chapel, Costa Mesa, California. We behold your glory, God, in the face of Christ. It shows us who you are, revealing who you are. At some point in our lives, we will struggle with faith. It's difficult letting go and entrusting things to the Lord. Today, we'll see that the more we know and understand God's faithfulness and goodness, the easier it will be to trust Him. part one of Cheryl's message titled, Jesus is Greater, Grander, and More Glorious. Do you struggle just with the whole concept of faith? Because I know so many women who do. I was at a wedding, and I would say the godliest woman I knew at that time who lived in Vista. She was just a leader in our church, just an awesome woman. And I was talking to her, and we were discussing faith, and all of a sudden she leaned over to me. And she said, Cheryl, I need more faith. And I just thought, wow, if she needs more faith, what hope is there for the rest of us? I was in a group of women in Austria, and we were having this dynamic conversation about the Lord. And this woman who I had known for years, and God had done so many incredible, great things in her life, And her husband was the pastor of the largest church in Europe. She looked at me and she said, I don't have enough faith. I was at a retreat and the woman up front said, who needs faith? But she didn't say it like, who needs faith? She said like, who needs faith? You know, there's a difference. You can ask the same question, like Zachariah, like, how can this happen? Or like Mary, like, how can this happen? And there's a difference. And there's a difference between who needs more faith and who needs more faith. But no matter how the question was asked, if Jesus is passing out faith, I'm going to be first in line. You know, whenever I fly, I keep getting group D, like the last to get on the airplane. You know, I'm the person that they don't have any room for your luggage when you get on. That's, I just flew someplace, group D again, D for deserted, desperate, downright last, you know? Oh, you're sweet, but that's not how you feel when you're the last person on the plane. So, I, you know, but this is this, if Jesus is passing it out, I want to be first in line. I want my faith stronger. And I remember I stood to my feet and this is what I heard. Maybe you were one of those. Cheryl is standing. Cheryl Broderson is standing. Who's Cheryl Broderson? Chuck Smith's daughter. She needs faith. I could hear it. Like I started like something. And I, and I just, it kind of made me mad. I'll be honest. And I thought, you know, WWKD, what would K do? K is my mother. What would my mother do right now? And I thought, you know what? She would storm the stage. And boy, that anointing came on me like the spirit of Elijah. 
And I went up to that stage and I said, wow, I didn't realize it was with such godly women that you all have enough faith for the circumstances that are facing you. Well, I just want to admit, I need my faith strengthened. I need God to work. And then I was kind of like, and I know you and you need God to work. So you stand up too. I'm not doing this alone. And the next thing I knew, I said, who needs, in fact, let's just do it right now. Who needs stronger faith because they have a prodigal? Will you stand up? Who needs stronger faith? All right. Who needs their faith strengthened because they've got a financial issue? Who needs their faith strengthened so they can get through their present circumstances? Who needs their faith strengthened, period? Who needs it? Hallelujah. I am so glad I'm with real women right now. Just thank you. We need our faith strengthened, right? And that's what happens. You can be seated now. See, a payoff to joyful life is the exercise you get. We need faith to deliver us from our trials. We need the faith that believes God will deliver us from the trials. We need the faith that believes that God will expose the evil and the evil people. We need the faith to believe that God will work out all things for our good. That this thing, God's gonna turn it around and make it work out for good. We need faith to believe that Jesus loves me, this I know. We need the faith to believe it. We need faith that God has absolutely forgiven us 100% through Jesus Christ. We are forgiven, even for what you said and thought this morning. We need faith to believe that God is a blessing God and will bless us and does bless us. And we need faith to believe that God will guide us and his guidance is good. Do you struggle with entrusting things to God? Do you struggle with giving God your trial? My friend Nancy says we have cast in real burdens. We cast it on the Lord and we say, is it a little too heavy for you? Give it back. I'll carry it for a while. And then we're like, oh, it's getting so heavy. You carry it. We give it to God. And then we're like, where are you putting that? What are you doing with that? Just give it back. Give it back. Do you have trouble entrusting difficulties to the Lord, burdens to the Lord, children to the Lord, finances to the Lord, hardships to the Lord, enemies to the Lord? Lord, what are you doing? I would have called down five lightning bolts by this time. Entrusting friends to the Lord. Do you have trouble just entrusting friends? when they're going through hardships to Jesus? Do you have trouble entrusting needs to Jesus? Do you ask God for his plans or do you seek God to give your plans his official approval? Have you ever found yourself doubting God's promises, God's word, God's will? Is it really good? Is it really in my best interest? And God's ways how he's doing and how he chooses to do things. If you haven't doubted at some point, then your faith has never been tested because it's through the testing of our faith that our faith is refined and turned to gold. But if you've never been tested, then you're delusional or you're dishonest or you're divine and you're not divine. Everyone in this room could use a faith lift.
Perhaps you struggle with faith because you have a misconception about it. As we said last week, it's not the ability or the supernatural ability to believe against all doubt. It's not even a purity of like, I have no doubts at all. I just fully believe. It's not a force that we harness. It's not even a quality that we either possess or don't possess. Faith is the substance of what we believe. It is what we know to be true about God, God's word, God's son, and God's accomplishments through Jesus Christ. Our faith will be as strong as what we know and understand about God. The more we know, the more we understand, the more we will trust and entrust to God. It's just the way it is. The more you know, the more you understand his faithfulness, his goodness, his wonder-working power, the more you'll give to him like, hey, what are you going to do with this one? The less we know God, the less we will trust and entrust. If our concept of God is weak, then we will have to constantly fight his battles and defend him. We will have to do his work for him. I remember early on when we lived in Vista, this woman wanted to go to the retreat, but she didn't have enough money. And it was getting closer and closer to the day of the retreat. And so I paid her way. And I have to say, she complained the entire time about everything at the retreat. And somebody said, who brought her? And you know, I realized I'd never prayed about it. I just thought, well, if God's not coming through, I'll come through. That had been my mentality. Well, God, I want to make you look good. And she prayed to go and you didn't provide. So I'll provide for her. And it turned out to be the biggest curse. And I learned, look, pray about it and let God provide. And maybe he'll provide through me, but it's only after I ask the Lord. But sometimes we're trying to do God's work for him to make him look good. Like, look, I'm I'm working on your reputation for you. Do you struggle with submitting your cares to him? Are you constantly full of worry? God, what are you doing? Are you gonna come through? Anxiety, complaining. Do you try to order God around? Do you know there are those prayers that order God around? I want you to go three doors down. Not on the left, but on the right. I want you to go and knock on that door. I remember my son, Braden, used to do these directed prayers and We were praying with him one night and he said, Lord, I pray that my father could be anything he wants to be, but not a thief, Lord. Don't make him a thief and don't let him be a pirate. But other than that, Lord, you're like, where does he get this? Another time he's praying, you know, Lord, those men in the pubs are drunk. Speak to them and say, you're drunk with beer. Just in case it was something else. But... You know, that's what we do. We direct the Lord when we don't know how great, how grand, how wonderful he is. And if our concept of the Lord is weak, we will always try to order him around and give him a plan. We will be disappointed in his ways because he's not following our plans. He's not taking the route we assigned him. 
He's not listening to the GPS. He's doing it his way and going his way. And what will happen is we will miss the journey. We will miss the scenery. We will miss the joy of the ride. And we will miss what he's doing. We will try to get our will accomplished by any means. And we will not be utilizing the ways and the instruments that he's given us. We will be afraid, distrusting, anxious, jealous, because we'll have to hold on to what is ours. Don't you try to take this from me. This is mine. We will be mean. We will be aggressive, angry, and frustrated. In fact, when I see these attributes in me, I have to go back and say, wow, where's this coming from? Obviously from my heart, but where's the place in my heart? that this is coming from, and it comes back to my faith is weak in this area or that area. If we get a healthy understanding of God, of his love, we will tell him everything because he loves us. So we can be absolutely honest with him because he already knew that was in our heart. We will get a healthy understanding of his power, and therefore we will acknowledge him in everything. We will say, here's another one for you, God. Here's another thing I can't handle. It's all yours, God. We will get a healthy understanding of his goodness. We will desire him in everything. Oh, I don't want my way. I don't want Cheryl's way. I want God's way. And we will get a healthy understanding of his accomplishments. We will trust him in everything that we give to him. The writer of Hebrews is writing to a people who are weak in faith, and they are in danger because of this weak faith. They have forgotten how great Jesus is. They have forgotten how great his accomplishments are, and they were beginning to overestimate themselves, as is the case when our faith is weak. They were beginning to think that rules, rituals, regulations, sacrifices, and the temple was a means to earn God's favor, people's favor, avoid persecution, and solve their immediate distress. They were in danger of diminishing the person, the prestige, the grace, and the accomplishments of Jesus. Looking to these other things for strength was actually depleting their strength, and they were jeopardizing their welfare, God's blessing, spiritual power, and God's intervention in their lives. So the author is writing to remind them of the superiority of Jesus over everything, over all things, visible and invisible. Again, faith is about what we know to be true concerning Jesus. The more we know and understand Jesus, the greater our faith will be because our faith is rooted in the person of Jesus Christ. We stand or fall in this life by what we know to be true about Jesus. If we believe and build upon his word, who he is, his name, we will be able to endure trials, persevere through trials, entrust trials, survive trials, learn from trials, be blessed because of trials, and our faith will actually grow strong through trials. 
Who doesn't want mountain-moving, tree-uprooting faith? Faith goes into our heart as the smallest seed, but as we learn more about Jesus, root ourselves in his word, pray, entrusting ourselves and our circumstances and others to Jesus. We receive strength. The power of the Spirit comes in and actually strengthens our faith. And faith will begin to take over our hearts and minds. We will not have to pray. Prayer will become our natural response. We will begin to delight in giving one person after another over to the good purposes of the Lord. We will trust and entrust. We will rest in his peace. And we will see and be partakers in the work of God. The author of Hebrews knows this. And so as he writes this epistle, he does something that no other epistle in God's word does. He launches right into the person of Christ. Did you notice this? There's no address. That's why some people don't know who it's written by. It doesn't say Barnabas, a servant of the Lord Jesus Christ, to the Hebrews living worldwide. It doesn't say Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ. It doesn't say John, a witness, one who has seen and felt and walked with Jesus, which John does in his epistles. It doesn't say Paul, a bond slave of Jesus Christ. And that's why people wonder, did Paul write it? Why didn't he sign his name? This letter has no name because the author wanted these people to know Jesus. It launches right into the person of Christ. It's the CPR, the Christ promoting resuscitation that these people need immediately. They need to see the grandeur, greatness, and glory of the Lord immediately. There's no time to talk about who wrote, who said, what the experience was, we've got to get straight to the throne room of Jesus. Here is the remedy. Here is the answer. Here is what is needed for the Hebrews who are weak in faith and everything in their life is in jeopardy. They need to see Jesus. And he starts out right away in verses one and two. God, who at various times and in different ways spoke in the time past to the fathers by the prophets, has in these last days spoken to us by his son, whom he has appointed heir of all things, through whom also he made the worlds. Jesus is the message of God. He is the word of God. He is the first word of God in Genesis. And he is the ultimate word of God. And he is the fulfillment of every word of God. All that can be known about God is evidenced in Jesus Christ. Men have misinterpreted God's law, God's will, and God himself. They judge God by their own values of right and wrong. The book of Judges is characterized by civil war, child sacrifice, division, pride, confusion, idolatry, aggressive immorality, and other craziness. And you know why? Because every man did what was right in his own sight. They thought they were pleasing God, but they had the wrong concept of God. They had the law of Moses. They had the tabernacle in Shiloh, but yet they were getting it so wrong. 
because they did not know God. Even though he revealed himself through Moses, through the law, then God begins to send prophets to them, but they're still not getting it. There are those who still today say, oh, the God of the Old Testament is different than the God of the New Testament. I used to hear that when I was in high school and when I was in college. Oh, the God of the Old Testament is different than the God of the New Testament from unbelievers. And I'd say, no, it's the same God. It's just that man cannot interpret God properly or understand him without the revelation of Jesus Christ. As Jesus said in Matthew eleven twenty seven, that only the Son knows the Father and those to whom the Son reveals the Father too. There is no way to properly understand God without Jesus Christ. Because you will think, oh, he's so severe. Look at those wars. Look at, you know, that message. But Jesus is the ultimate message. He makes God's words understandable. It's the same God, but Jesus alone expresses God perfectly. Jesus is everything God wants to say to mankind. He is the expression of all of God's words, God's thoughts, God's love. He is the invitation of God to mankind. Jesus is also the appointed heir of God by relationship. He deserves all that God is and has and possesses. But he is also the appointed heir. He he is the chosen of God. He's God's favorite person. He alone deserves the glory, the power, and the possessions. But he is also the creator of all things. God used the word to speak all life into existence. And Jesus is that word. He is the agency of God in creation. He is the agency of God's will. He accomplishes God's will. We're told that Jesus is the express image of God. Verse three, who being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person and upholding all things by the word of his power, which he had by himself purged our sins, set down at the right hand of the majesty on high. Jesus is the express image of God. This word image is the word, and you're going to recognize this character, character. It's the engraving or the thing produced by the stamp. It's the exact replica of the stamp, the mere image. This is what Jesus is. He is the exact replica of God. He is the brightness of God's glory, the high spot, the radiance, or the glory of his glory. God says, Jesus is the glory of my glory. He is the visible glory of the invisible God. He is what you can see, feel, and hear of God. But God takes glory in Jesus Christ. He's the radiance of God's glory. In Jeremiah 9, 24, God says this, but let him who glories glory in this, that he understands and knows me, that I am the Lord exercising loving kindness, judgment, and righteousness in the earth. For in these I delight, says the Lord. This is the understanding that Jesus brings to us of who God is and God glories in Jesus because Jesus displays God's glory. He speaks God's message. This is how people can know God. It's through Jesus. 
Now, I have to say this. I love my children. You know, I have prayed passionately for each one of them, but they are each one a miracle. And I have to say, they're my glory. I like my kids better than I like myself. I cannot believe that God gave me these awesome adults. <laughs> they are just like amazing. And this is, I, I make an idiot of myself every time I'm with my girls. And I have to apologize later, I get giddy. Faith is not a force we harness or a quality we possess. It's the substance of what we believe. Faith is all based on a healthy understanding of God, what we know to be true about God, His Word, His Son Jesus, and all that Jesus has done for us. As we grow in this understanding, we can't help but grow in faith and come to desire and acknowledge Him in everything. We will want His ways over our ways because we know that His ways are best. We hope you have been blessed by today's Bible study. For more information about the Gracious Words radio program and the teaching ministry of Cheryl Broderson, please visit our website at graciouswords.com. Coming up next time on the Gracious Words program, we'll look at how to strengthen our faith as we continue our series, Our Great Faith, in the book of Hebrews with Cheryl Broderson. We do hope you make plans to join us. Again, for more information, please visit our website at graciouswords.com. This program is sponsored by Calvary Chapel, Costa Mesa, California.